0: Knowing someone's name gives you a lot of power, because all you got to do is just randomly say it, yell it out, and you're going to at least get, most likely, a turn of the head. One of my favorite places to hear my name is in a Starbucks. And Bill, your caramel macchiato's ready. I feel like I know them. They're my friend when they say my name and hand me a hot beverage, you know, or Chick-fil-A. I like that, too. And then they say, it was my pleasure to serve you, Bill. I'm like, it was my pleasure to be served by you, you know. Uh, so I love that. There's power in a name. So, uh, but but it doesn't mean you know them, does it? Let's be honest. Just because you know someone's name doesn't mean you know them. But it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to call someone by name. It's an opportunity to get their attention. It's an opportunity to get to know them. And, and so there is power in that name. By knowing someone's name, there's something powerful. You have the power to encourage, the power to get their attention, the power to speak into someone when you know their name. And just to show you the power of that and to, to make this really real for you, here's what I want you to do for me for just, uh, just a few seconds. I want you to extend your hand to someone you're sitting near and introduce yourself and say, hello, my name is and say only your middle name to that person. Go. Ready, set, go. So how many of you were shocked to find someone you know you thought you knew well, you did not know their middle name till just now? All right, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's when you know you really know someone intimately when you get to know their middle name. And, that, and, and to tell you how powerful a name is When someone in my house said my first name and immediately said my middle name, there were certain emotions that came into my heart. Usually I wanted to hide, you know what I mean? So there is power in knowing a name and utilizing that name. Uh, Why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because that's the journey we're going to go on together starting today and the the rest of of these four weeks leading up to Christmas. We're going to look at the different names. Of this baby that was born that first Christmas, if you will, and placed in a manger. And it's going to help us, I believe, begin knowing him and maybe in a way differently than you've ever known him. Now, again, just knowing a name doesn't mean you know a person, but it's a start. And that's our goal is to give you that start. And you may say, Oh, I already know all this, I already know all this. You hang in there with me. I believe you're gonna pick up on some things you've never picked up on before as we look at these various names. The first one that we're going to talk about today is a little bit of a spoiler it was it was mentioned in the video before only a few times, <laughs> uh, but we're going to find this passage that talks about that in Matthew chapter 1, which is the very first chapter of the New Testament of the Bible, uh, and uh, and honestly, it's, it's a name that is rarely even used for God in the entire Bible. We'll talk about that in just a few moments, but before we read this passage to you, I want to I want to make sure that you know the big why behind this. It would be fun to learn some new names for God, and it can be kind of interesting to learn a little bit about what these names mean. But the whole reason behind all of this is this truth, and I hope you never forget this truth, and you'll hear me say this over and over and over again this month. His name alone has the power to give life. His name alone. That's why this is important. You can forget a lot of people's names, Don't forget this one. (laughs) Don't let go of this one. Don't underestimate this one. Cling to this one. This is the only name that has the power to give life. Let me read to you Acts 4.12 before we look at Matthew 1. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. This is the only name. This is the only person by which we can be saved, by which we can be rescued, by which we can experience life transformation, by which we can receive that free gift of life everlasting. This name alone, that's why we need to get to know not only the name, but the person whose name it refers to. And not only do we need to know it, we need to make it known to others. Because that's how we have joy given to the world. That's how we get peace on earth. It's not something that is going to be done by our government. It's not something that's going to be done by some cultural shift. It's only made possible by knowing this person who is joy, who is peace, who is life to us. So that's why all of this is vitally important. We're going to look in Matthew Chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and this would be one of the two main passages that we often read in the Christmas season. One of them is in Luke 2, this one in Matthew 1. It's a Christmas account that really kind of focuses on Joseph and his story a little bit. Within this passage, we're going to be introduced to this name we're going to look at today. Starting in verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now within this passage, you see several names there. I have a feeling, I have it on authority that we'll probably come back to this passage a little bit later this month as we go through this journey together. But today we're going to begin our journey by looking at this name that is prophesied Emmanuel. His name is Emmanuel. And you saw in that passage, one of only three times this name occurs in the entire Bible. It's the only time it occurs in the New Testament, in the, that latter portion of the Bible. And when, it, when we see it there in Matthew 1, it's actually quoting Isaiah seven fourteen. The other time that it's mentioned in the Bible is twice in Isaiah chapter 7 which is a prophecy that that this is going to be the sign, that there will be a virgin who will conceive through the Holy Spirit a son, and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what does this name mean for us? How does this name impact us? One way it impacts us is it reminds us of this. It reminds us that this baby, the one called Emmanuel that was placed in a manger, it reminds us that he was promised. He was promised. This is one of those things that I tend to gloss over. You know, I just very willingly accept that there's prophecies about Jesus coming in the Old Testament and that they were fulfilled when he came, and I don't have to be convinced of that. I'm pretty cool with that. I'm like, yay, that's cool. It's kind of like cool for me to know that, but then I kind of move on to other things in my mind. I don't know if you're the same as me or not. Uh, I don't geek out as much as maybe other people do about that, but I do want to pause for a moment and geek out about this. It's pretty amazing that this is a fulfillment of prophecies from centuries before. It's really cool. But, but what I kind of want to focus on is this: the state of mind and maybe the state of the heart that must have existed for the people that lived in Israel when this baby was born and placed in a manger. A lot has been made of the, the span of time that exists between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years, four centuries. If someone has ever made a promise to you, and they wait four weeks to fulfill it, aren't you a little like, hey, 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 right? When Amazon promises me (laughs) two days free delivery, we we expect that, right? We're going to be... We're going to expect that. So I couldn't even imagine when you think about the idea of a promised Messiah, a promised Savior that we see prophecies, prophecies about in the Old Testament and that there are centuries that pass before it happens. And I, I don't know, we call them the 400 years of silence. I am not, I don't believe any of us have the authority to say that God did not speak whatsoever in those 400 years. But I know He spoke differently. The, the prophets of old, they were gone. They were a thing of the past. And those who belong to the, uh, the Jewish faith, the Jewish religion, the Jewish tradition, clung to these prophecies, hoping that one day they'd see the fulfillment of that. And while they were waiting they became oppressed by a growing Roman Empire. And not only that, they saw some of their very own Jewish people cross over and and, and actually become tax collectors, collecting money and getting rich off of it and and oppressing the widows and the orphans in the process for the Roman government. On top of that, their own religious leaders were so strict and so legalistic that they had a burden placed on the people that just was unbearable. Whichever way they looked, whether to their own people that were supposed to be leading them or to this new Roman government that was oppressing them, there was no hope. There was no peace on earth. There was no joy to the world. And then, piercing that darkness, piercing that silence, was the angelic host in the light of Jesus. It's pretty awesome. And I'm telling you right now, today, I know we're not living quite in those same days. This doesn't feel like the first century anymore. But is there not a feeling of silence and distance from God in our world today? A sense of hopelessness, lostness, darkness? A wonderment of what joy even is like, true joy? I submit to you today... That this idea of a promised Messiah is good news that people need to hear still right now. A promised Savior, a promised peace and joy. He was promised. But not only does it mean that, that He was promised, it also means literally that He is present. God with us. The name Emmanuel literally means God with us. I don't know if you've done that thing where you find out what your name literally means. It's kind of fun to do that. Once upon a time, we were expecting our second child, Cameron. And this is going to sound really strange, but we were traveling on vacation and we stopped at a Walmart to get some stuff. And while uh, my wife and my mother-in-law were in there, you know, we stayed in the car because that's the right thing to do and so while they were in there they literally got on the loudspeaker in walmart and said if there are any expecting mothers in the store come to the infant section we're having a spontaneous baby shower so my wife went to that you know but they had this little station where they get to tell you the meaning of your names Oh, well you're going to name your son we're going to name him cameron okay they enter in the name cameron his name means crooked nose Well, we got that one wrong, but, you know, we were committed to it already. And we said, well, let's find out what our oldest child, who's already born Molly, what does her name mean? Enter in Molly. It means a sea of bitterness. (laughs) So we've been apologizing to our kids. We just didn't do the research. We like the name Molly. We like the name Cameron, you know. So when you find out the literal meanings and the names in the Bible, a lot of times they really do speak to what that person is. Uh, uh, Cameron's nose is not crooked that we know of, so that's good. But his name, this baby's name, Emmanuel, literally means God with us. And I want you to cling to that right now because that's true of God. I want to read to you one little verse from John's account of Christmas, if you will. John 1:14. says, "...the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth." God put on human flesh. And boy, was he introduced to what that was like. He was immediately plopped into a food trough in a stable. You know what I mean? But God put on human flesh and came among us and made his dwelling among us, became one of us, God with us. I am, the older I get, the more God has helped me to understand the simplicity of what he's doing and the simplicity of what we find in the Bible. And I want to just tell you how simple it is. You read the Bible cover to cover, it is simply the story of God making us and doing everything He can to be with us forever. That's the whole point of it all. You can go back to the first three chapters of the Bible, and you see how He created everything, how He spoke the universe into existence. And there's this moment that if you're not careful, you'll miss it. Because we're so focused on Adam and Eve and the snake and the apple or whatever, you know. There's this moment after Adam and Eve had blown it and sinned against God where it was a cool evening and God was walking in the garden. And they hid from him because of that. And if you aren't careful, you'll miss the fact that God was walking in the garden. Like it was a common thing that happened. He just walked with Adam and Eve. And I always wondered, what if they had never blown it? And and, and the Bible says that death entered into our reality because of that sin. And so if they had never chosen disobedience and rebellion, they'd still be walking in the garden together. And so when sin happened, that that ended that tight fellowship that they had with God and death entered the world, and sin became a part of our DNA, right? But here's what's really cool. As you continue reading the Scriptures, you continue reading the Bible, God did not stop. God did not give up. He did everything He could to still be with us, sinners though we are, rebels though we are, Clueless though we are at times, faithless though we are at times, he is always seeking and pursuing to be with us. And part of that plan is this crazy thing about a virgin conceiving by the power of the Holy Spirit a son that somehow can save us. God putting on human flesh and dwelling among us. And He came and He was born and He was placed in a manger for the sole purpose of growing up to hang on a cruel Roman cross so that all who would believe in Him could call Him, that's my Savior, that's my God. He is with me and I am with Him. Everything that God has done from the beginning of time is to be with you personally, to be with you personally personally. I will tell you another way to say his name. Emmanuel means God with fill in the blank and put your name there. That's his name. That's who he is. That's what he's about. I want to fast forward to the end of the Bible, the next to last chapter, Revelation 21. Let me read to you verses 3 and 4. I'm going to read you a prophecy that has not been fulfilled yet but one day will. And it's a prophecy about a giddy God. He says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among His people. And you know, when we're giddy, we repeat ourselves a lot. And He he starts doing that. He will live with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them. And He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Do you feel the, the excitement and the giddiness of God in that passage because... This prophecy says that there's going to come a day, there's going to come a time when this world as we know it, as dark as it can be, as painful as it can be, it's going to become a thing of the past, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and there'll be no more death, no more dying, no more pain, and God will finally walk with us again, just like He did in Genesis 1 and 2. Walk with us again. Be with us right there. That's what He's excited about. That's why He sent His Son. That's why He put on human flesh and dwelt among us. is so that we could be with Him forever. The whole point of everything is this. If you are willing, if you are willing, He will be with you forever. If you're willing. That's a very one good one-sentence description of what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Man, you go, you go spread that news this month leading up to Christmas. Say, man, I, I go to this church and, and we're going through the names of Jesus and the names of that baby and, and one of them is Emmanuel and you may sing that sometimes in some of your carols and that literally means God with us and what I've learned is that if you are willing, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, there's no asterisk there, not only the good use, the okay use, anyone, if you are willing He will be with you forever. All you got to do is stop the direction you're going in and turn around, and you'll see a God who's been pursuing you from the moment you were born, chasing after you because he loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. stop and turn, and he's right there. He's right there. And that's that's the next step I want to leave you with to consider this morning. Be with God. That's your next step. Be with Him. Be with Him. He's with you, but are you with Him? He's pursuing you, but have you stopped and let Him catch you? Have you welcomed Him into your heart and life? That's the big question. And it's the most important question you'll ever answer. Am I with God? Am I I with God? He, he He has come to me. He has He has sent His Son for me. He is Emmanuel God with us. He is omnipresent. He is present. He is present in this moment. But am I actually with him? That's the question. That's the question. And here's the awesome news. And it's my favorite promise in all the Bible. And if you've come to church at Hickory Grove for probably at least a month, you've heard me quote it already, I will quote it again. Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's freely offered to everyone, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been. If you've never called upon his name, you can do that today. You can say, Emmanuel, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I want to be with you forever. I know you've been pursuing me, and now I want to be caught by you. I want to be with you, God, forever. Man, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. And I want to also mention this. I made that step of faith when I was 15 years old. So that was June seventeenth, 1988. I wrote the date down when it happened because I knew something big was going on, so I wrote it down so I could remember it. Otherwise, I would not remember it because I don't remember what I wore yesterday. But I can remember remember that date. And here's what I've come to know, and if you've been following Jesus for, for some time, you've known this too, that though... We take that first step of faith and say, yes, God, give me that free gift of eternal life. I, I, I want to be saved. I want to be rescued. And he does that, and he gives that to us freely. Over time, over time, we wonder away, don't we? Over time, over time, it's almost like it doesn't, we don't notice it at first, but there comes a moment where we realize, I, I, where is he? I, I don't feel like I'm, actually with God right now. And usually, He's not the one that ran from us. (laughs) Usually, we have wandered from Him. And we don't feel His presence anymore. But here's the good news. His name is still Emmanuel. He is still God with us. And you're still breathing His good air. And as long as you're breathing His good air, He must still have a purpose and a plan for you. And I don't care what you've done and what path you're on right now or what's caused you to be where you are. He's still pursuing you. And today, you can still choose to be with God once again. No matter what. That's what's so amazing about God. That's so, what's so amazing about his grace is he's not like us. We give up on people. He's not like us. We, when it gets too hard, we stop pursuing. He never gives up. He never stops chasing. He wants to be with you and everything he is doing and everything that's happening in your life right now is him trying to be with you. The question is, Will you be with him? Will you be with him? It's up to you. So let's bow and pray and talk to God about that right now. Lord, in this room, there may be some who have never taken their very first step of faith. They've never called upon your name and said, God, Jesus, save me. And, Lord, that is the most important step anyone could ever take in their life. And I pray right now, if there's one, even just one in this room that has never done that, that they would right now pray and say, God, save me. Jesus, save me. Rescue me. Give me your free gift of eternal life. They've never experienced a true Christmas, but they can now if they call upon you, Lord. And, Lord, there may be someone in this room, they've just wandered away got too self-sufficient, got decided to do things their way and they're just not with you right now. Lord, I pray right now that they would say, okay, I'm stopping this. I'm coming back to you, God. I wanna be back with you again, God. And Lord, I, I believe that if they would just allow themselves, they can literally feel your arms embracing them and saying, welcome back. Welcome back. I've been waiting for you to finally turn back to me. Help them to know that. Help them to experience that. Help them to feel that right now.